0: Good day. This is Agronomy Update from the University of Minnesota Extension. I'm your host, uh, Dave Nikolai, along with my co-host, Dr. Seth Nave from the University of Minnesota Extension. We uh, welcome you here today to a little bit about our cropping situation here across the state of Minnesota, certainly from an integrated pest management bent. Uh, today is Monday, uh, the uh, May 15th. Uh, the crop report, Seth, just came out uh, uh, from the uh, USDA and of course, they made a lot of progress uh, from the previous week. We know that, that corn planting on the report indicated that they were up into the area of uh, 61%. Now, we know that this report was done as of last Friday. Certainly, planting has progressed even far beyond that, uh, given the weekend and other opportunities for that. Uh, soybean planting uh, was also up, uh, was was 30%, but we know, again, a, a lot of soybean planting was done. but. What about our historical average here, Seth? In terms of where we were last year on soybeans, five-year average, uh, things have changed.
1: Well, I guess looking back towards last year, and if we can remember last year now, it was um, we had a pretty tough spring uh, last year, so we were only at ten percent. So we're we made some progress over last week. I think uh, last week we were at thirteen percent, so we're up to thirty on soybean this week. So that was good. And we we also made some progress relative to a tough year of last year. Um, But the five year is 37. So we're just a little bit behind the five year. Um, I think, you know, it's just like we always talk about farmers when they have good weather, they can really hit the fields hard and and make a lot of progress uh, planting both corn and soybeans. But um, certainly we're going to talk about the weather and its impact here coming up. But uh, certainly that that had a big um, fact, uh, big effect, and it's going to have a big uh, effect for this coming week as well.
0: I might say that the corn planting was at 61, and the five-year average was 58%, but we know that's probably even higher than that. But one thing that was in excess this last year, particularly in some spots in south-central Minnesota and in other areas, was moisture. Uh, when we look at even at where we are for topsoil and subsoil, our subsoil moisture was reported at 71% adequate, with 21% uh, surplus, so certainly, but in some areas, it was quite a bit higher. And so we needed someone to give us a bird's-eye view of that, and we've asked one of our co-workers, Bruce Potter, uh, to come in and and give us a little bit more information. Now, Bruce is uh, with Integrated Pest Management Specialist, um, and he hails from the Southwest Research and Outreach Center out at Lamberton. So good day, Bruce, uh, and tell us a little bit about what's going on in that route of that area from you know, in terms of everything from New Ulm to, to Comfrey to, uh, to Lamberton, what are people dealing with after this last week of, uh, excessive rains?
2: Well, a lot of them are looking at, uh, pond, ponded water in the fields. Uh, most of the depressional areas are, are filled up right now. Uh, some of the creeks and of course the rivers are, are at flood stage. So it's, it's been real wet. We've had, uh, anywheres from, uh, five to highest i've heard was 15 inches of rain over the, since last monday so um pretty unusual bout of bout of weather and uh you know it kind of st- stretches from from a little bit west of here uh the worst of it's kind of uh south southern brown county northern wan county uh but it this this wet streak over the last week has gone all the way and um, uh, they got quite a bit of rain all the way over, uh, towards Rochester. So kind of followed the highway 14 cor- corridor So, um, it's wet, unfortunately, we uh, as we're making really good progress and, uh, pretty much got stopped, uh, last Monday.
1: Yeah. L- last week's forecast. I mean, we had the whole state had, you know, small chances of rain, you know, 30, 40, 50% chance of rain almost every day. Uh, and it just seemed like, Every one of these things ended up going through the same kind of path in in uh, southern Minnesota, didn't they? Yeah,
2: well, I guess I uh, guess it pays to be optimistic. I don't know, but uh, uh, it, we get this we get these systems that kind of train through the same area. I was looking at the total precipitation maps, and it's almost like a line where the Minnesota River is. North of that, uh, rainfall was moderate, um, and south of that, it uh, is where we got really really doused. Um, so it's not not only did it bring up rain but uh we we brought up a lot of migratory crop pests cutworms and armyworms uh we had had a pretty uh non uneventful spring until last week and and uh we've probably are pulling in some big numbers now
0: before we jump into talking a little bit about the um, insect uh, movement uh maybe just go back and talk Bruce a little bit was a lot of the crop um that was inundated in here, was it planted, but not yet emerged? Was there any that you saw that was actually emerged at this point in time, or uh, was a lot of it, you know, in the soil yet in terms of that moisture, that excessive in those lakes?
2: Some of the earliest planted corn was, was uh, emerging. I hadn't seen any soybeans yet. A lot of the corn had not emerged yet. Uh, So, um, you know, even, even over the weekend here now I'm seeing, uh, on the on the higher ground, I'm seeing more corn poking through. Uh, but I'm,
0: I'm guessing that uh, where the water's standing, uh, there's going to have to be some replants. Talking about replanting here, Seth, um, from a soybean perspective, uh, what's your, your guidance when people ask about should I stick with the same um, you know, maturity in terms of soybeans to go back in there or, or similar situation? Uh, if they're able to go back in the field later this week or next week, if enough water has drained away, what do you th- would you say in a lot of these areas of Southern Minnesota?
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, we've always recommended uh, waiting until June 10 has been our date. Um, you know, what we have noticed over the years though, is that, you know, farmers plant a really start with a really broad range of maturities that they're already running. Some farmers are really pushing for really long season varieties for their area. Uh, Normally, and some have some real short stuff because they want to get in there and get some soybeans harvested early or want to get manure out or things like that. So we really have to, you know, couch our decisions based on what, you know, what we're starting with. And so if farmers are already really long already, they probably need to, you know, pull that trigger and back up on maturities a little bit earlier, Um, go with a half maturity group earlier. You know, maybe around the beginning of June. So we we still got a lot of time. So I don't think I don't think we're in any kind of situation where we even need to consider that in soybean yet. I think corn corn might might be a little bit bit of a different issue for us though.
0: I think Bruce you've been involved in some of these studies. I know that uh, our Dr. Jeff Coulter, our corn specialist, talks about that we have on our University of Minnesota uh, w- website for corn production and talking about or percent of maximum grain yield. And some of these studies were done at at Lamberton. Um, Some of the data indicates, you know, planting uh, the 20th of May, probably around at least 92% of the maximum grain yield. And if you get later, it'll obviously drop down on May 25th, down to about 87%. And then, of course, talking about recommended corn hybrid maturities, uh, you know, by May 22nd, you know, perhaps considering after that for that week in there, dropping back to uh, maybe five to seven relative maturity units. But I think you mentioned before, uh, we talked on the air, it depends a little bit, I think, Bruce, on on what you start out with, right, in terms of corn hybrid maturities?
2: Well, yeah, it does. I mean, a lot of guys are already planting, uh, you know, shorter than full season corn uh, just because they don't, they're trying to make sure they don't have to dry anything. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but I think the other thing to realize, too, is that, you know, how this all plays out and what kind, you know, how you're going to be, your maturity is going to be affected for corn really is going to depend on uh, what kind of weather we have. Um, You know, and last year too, guys, guys got away with planting real late because we had that the rest of the summer was uh, real warm.
1: Yeah. We're, we're probably jumping the gun on our, you know, discussing this, but we wanted to get some of this stuff out there. And I think both, I think both the weather in the next week, and then like you said, it's ultimately affected by the weather late in the season is what, what the big, big driver is. You know, the only other thing I'd like to throw in here is a reminder that, you know, variety selection for corn and soybean is really the, the biggest driver we have in terms of managing um, for yield. And uh, it's, um, you know, we, we have to assume that we did the best job of selecting varieties the first time around. Uh, And I think farmers should accept that you know when they switch varieties or hybrids that they're probably not going to get as good a stuff as they had the first time, and so there's going to be some nick that they're going to take in terms of yield potential, Uh, and then you know I think you could you need to figure that in with the drying cost on corn or maturing time and on soybean as well. So it's pretty complicated, but I think we've again I I think we have a little bit of time to to think about that. I think. A bigger concern probably is, is getting the, the corn and soybean out of the ground, and uh, Bruce, you mentioned crusting earlier, um, certainly there's going to be some heavy, there was some heavy pounding rains and just the quantity uh, and the number of days of rain is really going to make some of these fields really tough for the crop that has not emerged yet, so uh, what are you thinking about um, how, to, how to manage some of those things for farmers?
2: Well, I think if they can get into the field, if it cross and they get in the field and they've got the the equipment to, to do it, I mean I would take care of it. You know, rotary hoe is a really good tool. Um I think the other thing that I don't know how many guys pushed were pushing to get stuff planted before the rain and got caught, uh didn't get a pre-emerge herbicide on on soybeans. Um, that could be an issue for some guys too. So uh, I think my concern is, you know, at least in this area here, uh, and, and by all means, there's a, there's areas of the state that still want some more water. The extreme southwest corner of the state, for example, uh, hasn't hasn't had uh, had much at all. Uh, but I think think around here, I think the issue is going to be that we've got so many wet uh, potholes, that sort of thing that it's going to be hard to get out and, and uh, into these fields. Um, part of them are going to be dry and fit crusted and uh, maybe, and, and the other parts are going to be still pretty muddy. So it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, I think.
1: Yeah, we farmers just hate this kind of thing. And it's, you know, I think we all think of those really good years when we can, you know, get the crop in, move across the whole field, um, can get it sprayed and, you know, get it harvested without farming around wet spots. But um, we know that there's a lot of those. If you travel around Minnesota very much in the summertime, you, you see a lot of these areas that were delayed or they replanted uh, something in them or even put some soybeans into some middle of some cornfields. And it's not, it's not what farmers like, but I think most farmers you know, understand it and, and have to deal with it enough that uh, they have a pretty good handle on how to, how to take care of those things.
0: Maybe we should jump back and talk a little bit that, Bruce, you started off on, on terms of some of these weather systems moving in, insect uh, movement, uh, migration. I know that you've been involved in helping to coordinate, you know, uh, a fairly good-sized network here in the state of Minnesota when it comes to black cutworm trapping, uh, pheromone traps, uh, armyworm, et cetera. I know I have a, a, a couple out at Rosemont. But maybe give the folks a little bit of background, uh, what our attempt is this year, and and uh what we're finding
2: well i think uh the thing the reason we've got these traps out is to first detect when moths are coming in and we can kind of once we know that and where they're arriving we can kind of start looking at degree days and and give guys a little bit of a window on when to maximize scouting when when uh in the case of cutworms when corn cutting will start and then just as importantly, when those larvae are going to start to be large enough that they're going to quit feeding. So when you kind of get out of the woods on things. Uh, so what we do is we have a bunch of cooperators out there with uh, pheromone traps. They check them once a day. And uh, as these moths migrate in on weather systems uh, from the south, uh, the unmated uh, males are attracted to the pheromones. They get glued into a trap and, and uh, we get to count them. Uh, it, like I said earlier, it's been, it was pretty uneventful, uh, for the first part of the year when we had this last batch of weather come in. So last week, uh, we started to pick up a lot of, uh, a lot of black cutworms. So, uh, we could have some issues with those, uh, there's specific fields that guys are going to want to focus attention on scouting fields that, uh, don't have BT in them. Uh, fields that have a lot of early season weeds, those sorts of things. And probably a little more concerning than the cutworms even are are the number of armyworms we're catching. And uh, I got my, I've been trapped looking at light traps since the 70s and I set my uh, personal record last Friday, 193 in one night. Uh, So um, it usually means there's going to be a problem somewhere. There's a lot of things that have to happen as far as um, uh, egg hatch and larval survival and that sort of thing. But it's the insect we're going to have to, have to watch out for. So probably two or three weeks, you're going to start larvae. are going to be big enough. We can start finding those.
0: Would you say the, um, what crops from an army worm perspective, we really have to monitor and, and be, be aware of,
2: uh, the army worms uh, that we're dealing with here, the true army worms, pretty much only feed on grass. Um, uh, They'll maybe take a bite out of a soybean if they have to, but uh, uh, they can't they can't uh, develop on, on on non-grass crops. So it's small grains. Uh, uh, they like they're liking lush grass. So uh, anything where you got a dense growth uh, growth in a in a roadside ditch or something like that, pastures, um, winter cereals. Those are preferred egg laying sites where corn gets into trouble a lot of times is if they've got a lot of grass weeds in there or, or they're planting corn into a rye cover crop. Those are the ones that really have to be scouted. Uh, black cutworms were worried about corn and, uh, I think the other, they have a wider host range than, than, uh, the army worms do.
0: Any geographical area? I don't know. Maybe it's a little presumptuous here to talk about it from a black cutworm that People might need to be aware of, um, and you know, sometimes we find more black cutworms along that I ninety corridor um, uh, inset. But you know, we're not quite out of the woods yet.
2: Well, no, we're definitely not out of the woods, and and uh, stuff that you know, fields that haven't been tilled when those moths arrive, uh, those are kind of uh, prime egg laying spots, especially if they've got uh, weeds in them. And we had some earlier. uh significant captures one in martin county one in uh in several in rock county those um are the er- those early flights those are probably hatched now and if guys are out scouting uh weeds those sorts of stands those sorts of things look for leaf feeding on the corn look for leaf feeding on the weeds uh those larvae are going to be big enough to cut corn plants in uh well, probably the very last week of May, you'll you'll start to see some larvae large enough. And uh, this last week now, we've got uh, anywheres along that south of the Minnesota River and then anywhere we're starting to pick up high camp, captures of black cutworms all the way into Homestead County.
0: So if people want to um, stay up to tune and stay and catch with this, um, I know that you are involved in a, a regular, almost weekly newsletter, uh, can people access that and just go to the uh, uh, the Lamberton site if, they'd, sure. if they're not already registered and receiving the electronic newsletter? Sure,
2: you can. Uh, you can uh, just do a search on uh, uh, um, black cutworm uh, trapping networks, uh, Minnesota black cutworm Net- trapping network, or go to the the uh, Southwest Research and Outreach Center and and look under research, and and uh, you'll find that site there.
0: All right. Sounds good. Maybe a little bit more, uh, we can should talk, we talked a little bit earlier about diseases. Uh, we mentioned crusting um, all, already, but are we still concerned with this wet environment and seed treatments and so forth, things to be aware of and, and uh, watch out from your perspective?
2: Well, I think anytime you have, you know, flooded soils or saturated soils, uh, uh, you have the an increase definitely have an increased potential for uh, seedling diseases. Some of those things like uh, uh, sudden death syndrome, they're infected now. If if uh, if those seedlings are in wet soils, it, but you don't really see the symptoms till later on. Some of them are more immediate uh, things like Pythium, um, Fusariums, and uh, I think we're probably warm enough to even start seeing some phytophthora as these soybeans emerge. But uh,
0: those are probably some of the some of the key wins, like you said before, fusarium, you know, and I, I think uh, Dean Belvik mentioned about pythium, you know. But kind of, it depends upon the, the temperature too, doesn't it? In terms of right. that, what we right. I really mean, the, the
2: pythiums tend to be, uh, you know, there's exceptions because there's a lot of species of that uh, of that genus fungus, but uh, pythiums tend to like a little bit on the cooler side. Phytophthora is a little bit and on the warmer side, uh, fusariums are kind of multifaceted or multi, they're pretty adventitious.
0: Now, you might be talking about this in about another week or two, but uh, alfalfa weevil, um, other alfalfa insects, is it is it too early? I mean, now we're getting warm temperatures. I, I know the alfalfa in other places has really picked up. Uh, things that you would suggest people be watching for?
2: Well, last
0: Monday we started to see the adults moving into alfalfa here at at
2: uh, Lamberton, and so it's it's time to get out and start scouting. And uh, you know you're going to notice some some of the uh, feeding on foliage, but a sweep net's the a tool to take out there, and and you can see if you've got larvae uh, or or adults present. And then it, uh, a little more detailed scouting to figure out if you've got enough to worry about
0: for the alfalfa weevil larvae. Correct. So yeah, yeah, correct. And, uh, you know, they can always look up on a line. I think on your site, you've had some other information about that, uh, you know, in, in the past and in, in, in terms of that, uh, anything else about crop stand or just making those assessments out there, um, if, if you're going to go out in the, in the field, uh, as, as far as, you know, population and, and things to be mindful of, depending upon the soil type and cloudy, any other suggestions if, uh. Even if you're not in an area perhaps that that had uh, excessive rainfall, uh, is this a good time to, to go out there and try to make those stand assessments, or would you want to be up one two leaf here?
2: Oh no, I think as soon as the uh, crop starts emerging, you should be starting to take a look at it because you're going to want to look at um, you know pre-emerge weed control. Uh, you're going to want to see if there's a problem early. The earlier you find it, the you know the better off you are if you have to do some replanting. Uh, one thing uh, in the case of stand-reducing insects like black cutworm or other other cutworms is, um, you know, we're looking at percentage of cut plants, those sorts of things. But it, but it kind of depends on where you're starting out at, and if you've got uh, already have a thin stand, you can't tolerate the the cutworm feeding that you could if you got it have a have a good emergence.
1: Yeah. And the only other thing I'd chime in on this is that, um, you know, to encourage farmers to get out and, and scout, whether they're, whether they're stuck um, watching, um, watching the, the their crop kind of dry, their soils kind of dry out to, to get back in there to plant some more, or whether they're in an area where they're actually going pretty hard. We, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about kind of western. Central Minnesota and into northwestern Minnesota, where it's been a little bit drier and they've had a little bit better luck. But I think farmers really need to continue to think about getting out there and getting across all their land. Um, Remember that those fields are really highly variable and there's a lot going on beyond just that field road or the, the gravel road that goes beside their farm. And get out and scout. They've, you know, a lot of these folks have really nice side by sides. It's a good time to go cruise around and and check things out and and make sure that they got what they think they're getting and and that it's uniform across their whole field because uh, it'd be a real shame if if they have something that doesn't go diagnosed here early on uh, that they could actually correct. This is a good time to correct some of those potential problems with planting. Or um, you know other um, uh, disease or insect related issues.
0: I just want to echo Bruce what you said before about the early season weeds. I was talking to uh, uh, Dr. Joe Eichley out of NDSU, and uh, you know already up in the valley there's quite a bit of water hemp that's emerged. Uh, we've got you know Rosemont area and of course central Minnesota, so uh, they're going to come up right away with that. And if you don't get a pre on, you know you consider, you know there might have to be post emergence options, you know here you know all right away even sooner than you expect depending upon the situation or if you haven't on maybe a layer but uh, it, it doesn't take long and in, in terms of that especially the next uh, couple of days here the temperatures back in the 70s um, your soil temperatures I presume Bruce have warmed up at Lamberton so well, uh, a lot of weed seed germination
2: yep uh see a little bit of everything already so um a little bit of water hemp but and and Fox starting to see a few fox deals coming up uh, definitely lambs quarters are doing real well right
0: now. OSHA. Yep. We've seen a lot of lambs quarters really, even here on St. Paul campus. Uh, you know, it, quite thick as a matter of fact. So it doesn't uh doesn't take long in, in, in terms of that. Well, uh in at this point in time, uh we want to thank uh Bruce for coming on board and being our guest today here on Agronomy Update. We appreciate that. Uh doing these things on a weekly basis. So we might want to mention that uh, we're also engaged in in a various uh, webinars, including our Field Notes, uh, which is a, a Wednesday morning uh, program that runs from eight to eight thirty uh, from the University of Minnesota Extension. And uh, uh, you both will be guests, or have been, and will be in the future on on that. It's a little bit of a different tactic uh, we we do with those. And again, those are our weeklies too, and we can have a little bit more visual. But this is a this is a podcast uh, on the go, uh, Seth. In terms of that, so thank you very much again, Bruce, for coming by. We appreciate that. Uh, we thank you too, Seth, uh, for running the operation here, uh, getting things going, and we look forward to visiting with you, uh, again next week on Agronomy Update. Thank you.
2: Thanks for having me.